Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. I want to continue today in a series I started a few weeks ago. And the name of the series is this. You have heard that it was said, but I tell you. How many have been enjoying this series? Um, It's really this idea of better understanding or better interpreting the scriptures. You know, none of us have the market cornered on interpretation. Um, Let's say that right up front. But I do believe that, that God is showing us, especially in this time, he's showing us some new ways of seeing things. And it's really properly seen through the lens of the eyes and the life of Jesus. And so that's what we've been doing in this. And if you haven't had a chance, last week we spoke on this idea of, are you on the list? And so we went through this whole scenario of being on the list. And I want to kind of use that as a springboard for this morning. And the title is this, The Good Samaritan. Say that with me. The Good Samaritan. How many are familiar with this story? Now, if you want a subtitle for this morning, it would be this. Not just a story about roadside assistance. Because sometimes that's what we see. Now, nothing wrong with that. That's a great idea. But there's some depth and there's some breadth within this story that we're going to find out together. So let's look together at Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Now, Jesus is having this conversation before he even gets into the parable um, of the, the Good Samaritan. He's having this conversation with a lawyer. And in verse 25 of Luke chapter 10, it says, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus is, you know, like he always is hanging out in the community. He's speaking about this kingdom of God. He's saying things like, unless you're born again, you won't see the kingdom. In other words, unless you awaken to and see things differently, you'll never see what's right in front of you. And here this lawyer stands up and he says, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now there's a couple keys about this question that the lawyer asks. Firstly, the lawyer is a scripture expert. I want us to get a feel for this. Okay? This, is, this is what he does. That's really what lawyers were in the first century. They were scripture um, experts. They were keepers of the law. They were defenders or debaters of the law. What law? The law of Moses, the Torah. Makes sense, right? So this is what they did. So he's asking a question, but think about this. He's already got an opinion because it says he's putting Jesus to the test. Now, now listen, this is a man who's not new to this game. He's one of the elite. He's a long-standing member of the religious establishment. And it's important to see that whatever Jesus says, this man will have something to say in response to it. This is, this is how in, in the first century they would discuss scripture. It wouldn't be, you listen to me and that's all there is to it. Question, answer, question, answer, back and forth, debate. And then they would leave still, even if they disagree, as fellow Jews. Maybe we could use a little of that here in the church. Amen? Enough about that. Secondly, when the lawyer asks about eternal life, he's not asking about the afterlife. What happens when you die really wasn't talked a whole lot about. And Jesus didn't even talk a whole lot about this. The focus in the first century world was this life this time, here and now. It wasn't about life after death, but life before death. So if you have a chance to interact with a great spiritual leader or a rabbi, that was one of the first questions you would ask. How do I have the best and fullest life right now? 
Now here's a clue. This word here is a clue. He says, how do I inherit? Now a question for you. Does the one dying inherit or the one still living? Someone dies, but then the inheritance or the benefit goes to the one who is living. He says, how do I inherit? How do I live now this full life? This is what the Jews were after. And, and they really believed that they found it in the Torah. So we can say this, eternal life was used to describe a particular divine quality of life. A life that comes from living in harmony and peace and connection with God. So Jesus does what any good rabbi would do. He answers him, or he asks him, what does the Torah teach us? Because how many know Jesus was a Jew born on the law? Jesus says to him, what is written in the law? You're looking at how to inherit eternal life. So let me ask you, what is written in the law? And then he asks this question, how do you read it? That just, if you, if you just skip over that, you miss it. But Jesus is saying, what do you see in the law? Remember we talked a, a couple weeks ago about when Jesus said, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill. That's Jewish terminology for interpretation of scripture. If you were in an assembly, because there wasn't like, people didn't have individual Bibles. They didn't have iPhones or Androids with the, with the phone app, right? Or with the Bible app in it. And so they would have discussions and someone would go, wow, here's what I see. And they would give an interpretation. And if it wasn't a good interpretation, they say, uh, you've abolished the law. You've abolished Torah. But if it was a good interpretation, we'd be like, yes, amen, I agree. They would say, today you have fulfilled the law. So what Jesus was saying is, I haven't come to give you a bad interpretation of the law. I come to give you a good interpretation. In fact, I've come to clear things up. Isn't that beautiful? But look at his answer. He says, what is written in the law? How do you read it? This was his answer. The lawyer says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So look at what the lawyer does here. He quotes Deuteronomy and Leviticus out of the Torah, that loving God and loving your neighbor are the most important things you can do. He's, in other words, he's saying, this is how you enter into this particular kind of life called eternal life. But look what Jesus says to him. You have answered correctly. Ding, 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 ding. Do this, listen to this, and you will live. Do what? Love God. Love neighbor. Do this, and you will live. Which is the end of the conversation, right? I mean, what else can we talk about? The man asked a question. Jesus asked him a question about his question. He answers the question about his question. Jesus tells him he got it right. Conversation over, right? Except it isn't. The conversation isn't over because the next verse says, look at this. But he, say but he. The lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? See, it could have been over right there, right? Who is my neighbor? This dude had an agenda all along. Everything, <laughs> everything was a setup. And it says this, he wanted to justify himself. Literally in the Greek, that justify means this, he wanted to declare or pronounce his rightness in this matter. The lawyer has an issue with Jesus because he disagrees with Jesus. 
And his questioning was to get to the point of conflict. Now, this is really normal among the Jewish people. I don't agree with you. Let's ask questions. You ever notice this, that Jesus, when he's asked a question, he answers it with a question? It wasn't just Jesus. This is just how they talk. Oh, you got a question? Well, I got a question for you. Oh, really? Well, then I got a question for you. Oh, really? Well, then I got a question for you. And they would go back and forth. Do your kids ever do this to you? Why haven't you done this? Um, Because, I don't know, why didn't I do it? Wait a minute, don't ask me a question back. And so this is how they would talk about it. So he did this to justify himself. In other words, he's saying, I'm right, you're wrong, Jesus. Which I believe has something to do with who your neighbor is. Because he says, who is your neighbor? It's It's as if he is saying, I can agree that loving your neighbor is how you get eternal life. But we both know Jesus. You and I, we both know this, that we don't agree on who our neighbor is. At which point, Jesus then rolls into the story about the Good Samaritan. Do you see the setup? Jesus was ready to let it lie. Hey, you've answered correctly. It's all good. That's what the Torah says. Love God, love your neighbor. That's how you find eternal life. But he had to open his mouth, didn't he? Who is your neighbor? So Jesus replies, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by, say it with me, on the other side. Now that's really funny to me. The road between those two cities was a trail that was just a few feet wide with a rock wall on one side and a drop-off on another. Actually, I've got a couple pictures of this. Look at this first picture right here. This is actually the road. If you can look up in, up in the, about the middle there, there's people walking on this little road. Now, there's really not far to go. In fact, look at the next picture here. This is so cool. I'd love to go to Israel and check this out. But look at this guy. Here's the road. Now, look at, as he comes to the end, he's got to step over rocks, and he gets really, really narrow. There's actually places in this road, this road here that Jesus was talking about, where it was so narrow that barely one person could fit through. So when he said he went to the other side, the people were like, wait a minute, Jesus, there's no other side. Jesus was being funny. I think that's pretty cool, right? So the priest literally had to step over the man who was beaten. Jesus is cool. I think Jesus is being funny. 32. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a, say it with me, Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Now, I want to point out that the logical thing for Jesus to do in the story here is to make the third person who does the stopping and the helping a lawyer. Wouldn't that make sense? Who's he talking to? I mean, then he could have made the point to the lawyer about how your neighbor is anyone you're passing by who's in need. How many have heard that story before? For years, right? That's how a lot of us tell it. But I think that really misses the point. It isn't a lawyer who comes along. It's a, say it with me, Samaritan. This is the last character the lawyer would have expected to enter the story especially a story told by a Jew. I mean, Samaritans were hated. They were the despised ethnic group of the day. 
complete racism, complete disgust. This hatred went way back and it ran really, really deep. But in the story, Jesus has the Samaritan helping the man. Now think about this. This lawyer is already having a debate. He's already got some issues with Jesus. He's trying to put Jesus to the test. Jesus rolls through the story. The third person, nope, not a lawyer, but a Samaritan. Think about it. This story would have been next to impossible for the lawyer to hear. A good Samaritan? Are you kidding me? In our day, when we use the term good Samaritan, it's without disgust, right? If you say someone's a good Samaritan, you're like, Oh, that means that they're a helper of people that need help and they'll go beyond what they need to do to help someone out. I mean, to us, it makes sense. It's not a conflict now. It was then. To this lawyer, a good Samaritan was an impossibility. It did not exist. Are you feeling this? Jesus then finishes this story in which a Samaritan is the hero. And look at this. He asked the lawyer, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? Boom. That's like a mic drop moment, right? Say boom. boom. That's awesome. You know what? Instead of saying amen from now on, if you hear something that's really good, I want you to go boom. <laughs> Might scare me the first few times, but let's start something new. But boom, do you see how brilliant and skillful and we could even say subversive Jesus is here in telling this story this way? That was awesome. <laughs> this whole thing started with the lawyer asking Jesus a loaded question, didn't it? And so what does Jesus do? He tells a story that appears to be going one way and then it completely shifts gears and a shocking character enters the story that ends up the hero. And then Jesus turns the table on the lawyer and he asks him, who is the neighbor who has done the right thing? Who went above and beyond? We could just sum it up. Who is the neighbor? The answer is what? We all know that, right? We don't have an issue, but how does the, the lawyer answer him? Look at this, verse 37. The one. Right, but the one who showed him mercy. You see what's going on here? The lawyer can't even say the word Samaritan. See, Jesus just got him. He shouldn't have asked the question. I don't know how many people were present. I don't think Jesus is trying to shame anyone. I think he's trying to show us truth. But right here, he calls him out. That's how deep this hatred goes. He can't even say the name. You ever, ever notice this, how people who used to be married to someone or maybe dated someone, they say, my ex. See, there's something about names that connects us, that bonds us. There's a sense of intimacy when we say someone's name. You know, studies have shown that the most beautiful sound to our ears is the sound of our own name being spoken. And the lawyer, so full of hatred, racism, disgust, says the one. He couldn't even say his name. But Jesus simply says, that's your neighbor. That's the one who you're called to love. And he couldn't even say his name. We could say it like this. That's where the eternal life is found. In showing kindness to the one you hate, the one you despise, the one you wish didn't exist, 
the one whose name you can't even say. Isn't that powerful? See, it's much more than roadside assistance. I, I can see someone on the side of the road who I don't know or don't mind or don't have an issue with, but what about people we have issues with? Now, obviously, there's some people that we need to avoid, some that we have boundaries with. Some people are so toxic and dangerous and hurtful. Some people have done so much damage to our soul that we have to keep our distance. But, but listen to me. We love them from a distance. This is all part of being healthy. But even then, even in the midst of all that, we forgive so that the hate and bitterness won't eat us alive. Boom. What I see here is Jesus is calling us to something way bigger and deeper and transcendent than just a story about roadside assistance. Jesus is calling this man to love like God loves, which means everybody. See, that, that's how God loves, right? He loves everybody. For God so loved the world. And then we come into the family, come into the kingdom, and we still somehow, and a lot of us just out of ignorance, we still have walls of division. They're Democrat, uh, they're Republican, they're uh, Baptist, well, they're Holy Ghost rolling Pentecostals, well, they're gay, well, they're straight. And we have all these divisions, and God's saying, I love the world so much, everyone. And Jesus is saying, do you know where eternal life is found? When you can love like God loves. No barriers, no inhibitions. You can sit down with people on the other side of the aisle or the table and have discussions with them and sometimes just lay down all those agendas and those ideas and say, but do you know who you are? Right? Let God deal with that stuff, but do you know who you are? You are a dearly loved son and daughter of God. This is how he sees you. And I know this is scary for some of us because we think, well, well, I got to tell them about all the wrong they've done and how wrong they are. But, but Jesus didn't do that. In fact, look at the life of Jesus before the cross. As he walked through town, he would heal people. But there was this really famous thing he would say almost all the time. He'd say, oh, your sins are forgiven you. you know, your sins are forgiven you. What? Wait a minute, Jesus, you didn't die on the cross yet. I know, but love forgives. Your sins are forgiven you. Your sins are forgiven you. Jesus, you can't do that yet. Where's the sacrifice? Your sins are forgiven you. Your sins are forgiven you. Why? Because until you can get rid of that barrier of sin, you can't even see the relationship right in front of you. You can't even receive what God has already given to you. It's a done deal. And we think that our sin holds God back. There's one scripture, I believe it's in Hosea, that says that God can't even look upon sin. That's the one scripture we use, but there's a comma. And the next line the prophet says is, so why do you? Boom. Now, what I'm not saying is that sin's good. Listen, sin has built into it. The wages of sin is death. There's consequences to it. So spirit's always moving you to do the right thing. But listen, if you don't know who you are, you won't operate. You won't be who you truly are. So Jesus would say, hey, your sins are forgiven you. Now that that's clean, let's talk. Let's have relationship. Do you want to receive the healing I have for your body, your soul, your spirit? Do you, do you want this healing? Because it's there. It's available. Isn't that awesome? That's the gospel message. So again, Jesus is calling us to something way bigger and deeper and transcendent than just a story about roadside assistance. 
Again, Jesus is calling the man to love like God loves, which means everybody, even the most hated, even those who are so difficult to love. As soon as I said that, someone came to your mind, didn't it? Be honest. Don't say the name out loud. Someone came to mind. That person at work, that mother-in-law. Thank God I have an awesome mother-in-law. In fact, I call her my mother-in-law because she's so awesome. Not all of you have that privilege, right? Even those you hate so much that you can't even say their name. And we know this from Jesus' response. Look what he says to him. He says, now you go and do likewise. Now, we don't see what happens with the lawyer at this point. He could have stomped away in disgust and went, see, I knew we didn't agree. Maybe he went away not real happy. How many, you know, when, when we're receiving discipline in our life, it's not always happy and fun, right? I mean, love is not just always sappy and fluffy. There's sometimes where God's love will expose some things in my heart that aren't right. And why aren't they right? Because it's going against the grain of who I am. It's hurting myself. It's hurting others. But see, in those, in those points where... You know, God is said to be love and light. Light exposes things. When he exposes things in my life, it's never to bring me shame. Never. I've never felt shamed by Jesus. I've never felt shamed by my father. I used to think that shame was him, but I found out something different than that. But why does he expose those things? Like any good father would to say, see this in your life? It's hindering you. It's hurting you. So will you see it and let me heal it? And that's the cool thing about it is when we see it, it's not up to us now. Okay, I will try harder to be better. Jesus says, no, 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 no. I died so you could be healed and whole. So let me heal those areas in your heart. But do you see how you have to have open relationship in order for that to happen? So look at the person next to you and say, you go and do likewise. Look at the person on the other side because we don't want to leave anyone out. And if it's the wall, I guess just talk to the wall. Say, eternal life is found. Say it with me. Eternal life is found when loving like God does. Isn't that beautiful? Boom. Because living out kingdom is loving like God loves, and that includes, say it with me, everybody. Isn't that story awesome? I mean, Jesus did and said some radical things. His parables were meant to throw us off balance. They were meant to, to make us have a paradigm shift in our thinking. It's like, wow, I, I thought it was this way, but Jesus wanted to say, nope, the kingdom is opposite, most likely, of what you think. Can you get to the point? This is where eternal life comes in. You'll experience it when you can love the person you hate the most. When you can love the person that you can't even say their name, that person, that's when you know I've experienced eternal life, the best and fullest life I can live here and now. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and your love toward us. I pray this morning that repentance has transpired. That word repentance, metanoia in the Greek, means to change our mind. I, I pray that our minds have shifted in some things. Maybe even now we're holding on to something in our soul. And the thing is, when we hold on to things, they just fester and they become roots of bitterness. And it's really eating us alive. It's not hurting the other person, it's hurting us. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would show us those areas of our life so that you then could step in and show healing. 
that you can help us to show forgiveness to those who, let's be honest, I, I shouldn't have to forgive them. I have the right to be offended, but staying offended only hurts me. For others of us, maybe we're trying to make this shift in our minds where we feel like we're in and everyone else is out, that they're not on the list, but we are, and we're special and we're loved by you. Of course we're special and loved by you, but the thing is, everyone is special and loved by you. In the kingdom, there's no borders or boundaries. There's no walls. It's simply, will you awaken to who you truly are? And it's in that awakening that we then be different. We say different. We, we walk different. We act different. Just say this with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love for me. Thank you for your grace toward me. Holy Spirit, if there's any area in my life where I'm withholding love from another person, show that to me. And Holy Spirit, by an act of my will, I release that person. I forgive them. And I even choose to love them, even if it's from afar. Jesus, you have permission to bring healing to my soul. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You received that this morning. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.